Welcome to Magic and Mayhem. Discover the secrets to creating magnificent books for kids and teens with the Australian Writers' Centre, one of the world's leading centres for writing courses. I'm Valerie Koo. I'm founder of the Australian Writers' Centre and through this series, we're bringing you a curated group of wonderful authors who all specialise in writing for children. As this series rolls out, you'll see that there'll be authors who will specialise in picture books, then we'll move on to authors who write chapter books, then middle grade fiction, then young adult books. Of course, some authors write across all those age groups, but we also will hear from publishers of children's books. So this is a wonderful library if you download all the episodes that you'll have at your fingertips on everything you need to know about the industry. In this interview, Danny Parker chats with Alison Tate from the Australian Writers' Centre. Danny has published beautiful picture books as well as a series for young readers called Lola's Toy Box. Like most writers, Danny has always written. Even through various odd jobs, he was constantly jotting things down. When his dad died, Danny wrote a short story as a kind of response to his feelings. When he showed his story to his illustrator friend, Matt Otley, Matt immediately saw the potential for a picture book. I found this really interesting. Danny was writing picture books without even knowing he was. In fact, he thought he was writing poetry. He didn't realise these small collections of beautiful words could become picture books. It just goes to show that when it comes to your writing journey, you have to be open to whatever opportunities present themselves. Danny Parker is a children's book author with four books in his new young reader series, Lola's Toy Box, published by Hardy Grant in August this year, and four more to come in the next 12 months. He also has Perfect, his fourth published picture book, illustrated by Freya Blackwood, out this month through Little Hair, plus eight other picture books in the pipeline. He is the presenter of the Writing Picture Books course for the Australian Writers' Centre in Perth, and he is a very busy man. So welcome to the program, Danny. Thanks so much for making some time for today. Oh, you're very welcome. All right, so let's let's talk about this enormous number of picture books you've got coming out. Are picture books your first love? Uh, yeah, I would say very much. I, I came I came to writing through through the picture book sort of format, and uh, the very first thing that I that I did was which came out uh, about uh, three or four years ago was um, I mean I didn't really know it when I wrote it, but it was a picture book text. So, um, and the way I came into writing really was through a relationship with. Um, a dear friend of mine now, Matt Otley, who is an illustrator, and, and um, I showed him the story and said, "Look, you know, could you help me with with where to put the words on the on you know on the page sort of thing?" And uh, he recognised that it was actually a really uh, potentially a really good picture book story in his in his view, um, and he sort of picked, picked me up and mentored me through the process. So. I realised then that while I wasn't writing poetry, I was actually writing uh, little picture books. Oh, was, um, okay. Yeah, so it was it. obviously a rhyming. No, no. Well, yeah. no I do. I, I have got a couple of books coming up that, that that are in verse, but no. It was just. Um, it was a response to a, a pretty significant uh, life event when when we lost my dad um, twelve, thirteen years ago. Right. Um, but it was a very. Um, it was a poetic sort of approach to, to. I was looking at the time for something to to read to find that would help me through that sort of that period, and I uh, couldn't find anything that uh, in the genre that I, <laughs> that I like, which is small. <laughs> I like I like to read short things. Okay. Um, and um, and I, in response, I wrote a, a story about, um, effectively, about the sort of life cycle of a tree. Uh, having been the small tree beneath the big tree, then there's a storm one night and the large tree gets blown down and the, the little tree grows up to be big and strong and eventually a little tree grows underneath it. And then we lost my dad and then about um, uh, a year later my, my son was born. So 
it, it sort of yeah, it kind of felt like a very personal thing to be writing, even though it was really about trees. Mm. Um, and, and Matt took that up um, and said, "Look, you know, there's there's some things you need to know about picture books," and um, took me on this sort of whirlwind. Um, tour really of, of, of how to think picture book when you're writing. So you um, didn't actually realise that you'd written a picture book at that point? Well what we've done was, um, I've got a big family, I'm the youngest of six and, and obviously this it was quite a surprise losing dad and one of my, one of my uh, sister-in-laws, sister-in-laws or sisters-in-law? One of my sisters-in-law I think, um, she uh, is a fine artist and, and a very fine artist at that um, and I'd, I'd written this story and she did some pictures to go with the story. Um, but I didn't realize then that the, the, the illustration uh, in a picture book world was, was, was an art form in itself. And it wasn't really a matter of simply drawing the pictures of the words, but of finding another story inside the text and, and, and helping, um, helping the, the book become deeper and more significant. And, and Matt obviously saw immediately that uh, this was a text that he could, he could do other stories within. Um, and, and so it went from being a story with pictures um, to a picture book, really. Interesting. Um, do, you, do you think journey. that that's a mistake that a lot of people make about picture books in thinking that it's a story with pictures instead of a picture book, so to speak? Yeah, I think it's a, it's a, funny, it's a funny space, isn't it? There are lots of brilliant books with pictures um, and there are lots of um, activity books or list of flat books or whatever books where, you, you know, the pictures really do need to be directly um, because they're reinforcing the, the words. Um, but the picture book model itself seems to allow... Two very distinctly different, perhaps different creative souls, i.e. the writer and the, and the illustrator, to get together to create, usually with help of, the, of, of an editor, I guess, the, that third thing, that other place, the, the sort of the space between the words and the pictures where another story um, can happen. Uh, and I think that's it's really obvious when you read to kids because they, they see the other stories because they're, they're I guess, they're, they're reading the pictures as much as they're reading or hearing the words. So... Um, but yeah, I, I think certainly when I started, I thought, for, for example, trees, uh, ironically now called tree, but at the time, um, you could see that there were trees everywhere on, on the illustration, so we didn't have to say the word tree, you know, uh, right. that really. Yeah. So those, those sorts of things. And if you're freed up as a writer from having to say, um, there was a terrible storm that night, because you can see that there's a terrible storm, then you're free to be more poetic with the way you describe the storm. So your, your, your capacity as a writer is is um, stretched a little bit more, but you, you, can, you can find other ways of talking about stormy <laughs> in that so instance. is this the, like, you've obviously, like, you, uh, I believe you're a teacher in your, yeah. in your actual day yeah. job, but is this the first thing, like, was Tree the first thing that you sort of really seriously wrote, or were, were there other things that you'd worked on prior to that? I, uh, I've always written. I think it's, um, it, one of the lovely things about being published is that suddenly, the words that you've got published seem to, in other people's eyes, they seem to have an authenticity that everything else you've ever done didn't have, you know. So you're sort of, mm. <laughs> you ask things like, you know, when did you start writing? Children often say, you know, when, when did you first start writing? And you're forced to reflect, and, and it's absolutely true that I've always written. Mm. Um, but when I look back now, I, I never much enjoyed certain aspects of English as a student at school in the UK. Loved drama, loved Shakespeare, loved... Loved all of that side of things. In fact, I, I teach drama now. But um, the only areas of English that I really enjoyed were either wonderful teachers, and I had a few of those, or, um, or poetry, really. I used to love the, the, com the confined nature of a short line, the fact that you couldn't... Um, I have a great tendency to just sort of blather on, you know. <laughs> <laughs> 
um, and being confined to six syllables or nine syllables and having to find a way of communicating in that in that sort of way. Um, and I was a nurse for a while, actually, and I, I recently rediscovered lots of the poetry I wrote when I was nursing, and it's very much about patients I knew at the time or things that I was doing at the time. It's very much like a, like a diary. You know, mm. you can look back and, and say, oh, crikey, yeah, 1987, I was talking to, you know, Mrs. McGinn. <laughs> so, so, yeah, I've all, I, I always have. And I, and I don't think ever seriously thinking that it would be published. Certainly the poetry was, was, wasn't, was never to be published. You know, that's the sort of thing that was just a, you know, to attract girls, I suppose. But, um, <laughs> but <laughs> for the best when that's not published, but, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> but, um, but it wasn't really until um, I met Matt and he, um, as I say, he, he saw in, in the work. And I, I had a lot of little stories like Tree that I've been tinkering around with because it was always a way of um, just being creative, I think. You know, I've written lots of plays for students and, and so I'm, always, I'm very at home sitting in front of the, the keyboard. Um, um, and from that, really, um, he, um, he, we needed somebody to sort out the, uh, the contract. So um, uh, he very kindly offered me the services of his literary agent who said, look, I'll do this one for you if you like, but you have to remember that if I don't like you and you don't like me, we go our separate ways after it because, you know, it's already in the, in the bag. I haven't got to do any work for you. Um, but have you got anything else? Um, mm. So I sent her a few other things and they just started coming in. So. Wow. Do you, do you think an agent, uh, I'm skipping ahead here a little bit, but do you think sure. an agent is important for picture book writers? I, I, for me personally, the um, the intricacy of contracts, the, the the ins and outs of, you know, whether you're being paid a fee or whether you're on um, um, royalties or, or, or you know, I, I think it's a, a minefield. And, and um, my personal feeling is that um, my my agent Margaret Kennedy has been um, very very useful indeed. Um, mm. I, I have, and, and this is you know this is just me, but I've been extremely lucky with. The relationship that I've struck up with um, Margaret Lamond at uh, Little Hair, mm-hmm. and uh, I haven't needed um, uh, an agent to shop my work around so much mm-hmm. because I've, I've, you know, they've they've sort of gone with me and said, "Have you, you know, let's have a look at a new story, let's have a look at another idea." But I, you know, I'm sure I, I equally know writers who who really don't want to lose ten percent and or whatever it is, and um, feel that you know part of the job is to you know get off your backside and get your Get your um, get your work out there. Mm. So um, I look, I think it swings and roundabouts. So I, I, I've I've only known the way I've done it. So mm. um, yeah, it's probably hard for me to comment with any with any authenticity, really. Okay. So um, when you're sort of starting out, you know, you said that that uh, Matt kind of mentored you through the process. Yeah. What what do you think were the biggest kind of if you if you could call them mistakes? That you yeah. were kind of making in your text yeah. when you started out, what would what would those things be? And are they the kinds of things that you see regularly in sort of students who, you know, for the Australian Writers Centre? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I, th- I think they're, and I don't think they're. I mean, they are in the ultimately in the world of the picture book. They are something that will be changed. So I guess you could see them as mistakes in the first place. But they're mm. very, they're very obvious things to do. And 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 that's uh, overwriting, really. Just mm. just thinking that if you don't pack your text with everything that you're expecting the reader to see that they won't see it and of course it's not only you in this journey you know you're, you're going to give this text to an illustrator who isn't going to want it to say the, the green pig climbed up the hill because that's what they're going to illustrate you're going to see that the green pig is climbing up the hill um possibly but uh, 
the, the difficulty is, and this is a really difficult one, it's a difficult one when you're being, you know, in, in a great relationship with, with a publisher, it's a difficult one for everybody. You feel if you don't say it in the text, how is the illustrator going to know? That was going to be my next question, because <laughs> that's clearly, that's the next question. Were they reading your mind? I mean, how that's do you right. That, no, that's right. So I, so I think what follows on from that is that if the nugget, if the, if the kernel of the story, if the, a picture book text has to have something universal that will that will attract attention and be of interest to, to parents reading to children, to children on their own, to open to interpretation on a sort of a universal um, scale. So you would hope that once the, once the nugget of the idea has been accepted, then it becomes a conversation where things are cut, things are changed, things things move around. But it's it's incredibly difficult to to write something as spare as it ends up. Because obviously, if you sent in seventy-four words, people would say, "Great, it's kind of an abstract poem. There's nothing happening." Going <laughs> it's <on."> a caption. <laughs> so no, it's not fair. It's not fair. But but unfortunately, um, I think that's the most common thing that, that every beautiful detail of of the child's walk to the sandpit is is described with you know wonderful, wonderful language, and you think that's all going. <laughs> yeah, that's sad, isn't it? And um, well, but you, you know, writers love writing, don't they? And they yeah. love their words, and of course they do, and that's fantastic. Um, but the, the difficult thing is, is, is you, you can put, you know, you can put illustration notes if you want um, into into your text. But the difficult thing I think to start with is to realise that the illustrator is a creative individual themselves, and it's mm. their job to do. You know, for a start, it takes an awful lot longer often to do the illustrations, in my opinion, and in my experience, than it than it has taken you to do that. You know, to do to the story, mm. um, that's probably contentious actually. But um, their job is not simply to illustrate your words, but actually to find something for them that's universal and beautiful about the story. So very often, if you read a text without showing the pictures, you won't have a full idea of the story at all. And equally, if you just saw the pictures and didn't read the text, you'd think, "Crikey, what's going on?" Um, but it's when you you know when you put those two together. So I think that if, coming back to your question, that if it's a mistake, then it's not realizing that you are a part of um, you are part of a, of a team of creative people who are all kind of marching in the same direction. Mm. Uh, and it's interesting. I guess that is, as you say, something that you only learn with experience because yeah, you yeah. don't kind of like when you're writing your first ones, you don't know who you might yeah. be working with, how it might work. Or, sure, sure. Yeah. I think also though, on a, on a related note that. You, when often people come to writing a picture book because of some significant personal um, passion, something they feel they feel strongly about, and they, they feel should be out there for kids to to realise and understand. Um, and and often, if it doesn't have a universal appeal, i.e., it's something that is absolutely appropriate to them in their family right now and right here and now, the chances of it actually having an appeal to a publisher are. are, are uh, are diminished, I think, mm. because they they can't see a, a market. I mean, basically, they want to sell your books, don't they? Yeah. So they, they're not sure who's going to go and buy a book about your particular issue in your family today. Mm. Um, and that's hard because they, you know, the writers care passionately, and and this issue is a very personal and important issue for them. Um, and uh, you know, it's hard to, to to be told. Well, actually, that might be important to you, but no one else is. Going. <laughs> Frankly, no one else cares. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that's not that's not easy. <laughs> no, no, no so how many drafts would you say that you do until you get from idea to kind of final text? Um, you know, 
know, completely, completely depends. Uh, Perfect, the book that's out this month, um, was was a remarkable uh, little journey, and it does actually rhyme perfect, right? Well, kind of half rhymes, um, and um, came from a, a, a very specific moment where uh, it was a Saturday. My daughter was home from school. Um, Jude, my wife, was was out and about, and um, I forget where my son was. But I said to to Abby, my daughter, um, "What do you want to do today?" And she said, "Oh, Dad, I just need a crayon and somewhere to scribble." And there was something absolutely beautiful about the balance of that, of just that line, a crayon and somewhere to scribble, that um, I had to go and write a story around the simplicity, not only of the content of that, you know, that we don't need all the stuff that we, we generally sort of think we need, mm. um, but also to try and find other language that balanced that sort of, that phrase. So I had no idea to this day what she did on that Saturday. <laughs> 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 no, no, that's not true. But... Um, but that story was, was relatively quick because a bit like um, a rhyming, uh, you know, like a, a, a ten-syllable line, you, you, I knew in that, in that instance that, the, that, in this case, the noun came first, the verb came at the end, and that I wanted it to bounce, I wanted it to rhyme, I wanted it to have a rhythm. So once you're in there, it was relatively quick and, and almost untouched from the editorial perspective. So, so it really didn't... Um, it really didn't very long at all, uh, uh, but that, by that time, I suppose it's important to remember that I had quite, quite a few contracts with this particular publisher already, so they, they were ready to accept something and say, oh yeah, we know you, we know you. Know. Mm. Uh, there's been other stories that have been on my desktop for, for years, um, uh, and I'll go back to and I'll um, tinker with and, and think, ah, oh, what was I thinking, or oh, this is really lovely. But I have a friend in the UK who's a stand-up comedian, and he always says of of content, he'll say, look, I know there's one in there somewhere. Mm. You know, <laughs> there's something in there. I just don't. Yeah, and I've got a lot of those. Yet. Yeah. I've got a lot of those on my desktop. A lot of, a lot of stories about something that I, I know has a resonance. I just don't quite know the best way to communicate it yet. And I might have, a, you know, multiple goes. And sometimes my filing system isn't brilliant. And I'll, I'll read something and think, crikey, I can't imagine I wrote that. <laughs> and then realize that I've got six, six versions beyond it, you know. Yeah, wow. Um, a lot. I, mean, I think um, uh, I've been very uh, lucky with, uh, with Margretta at uh, A Little Hair because she, she kind of gets that it's not going, uh, what I'm sending her isn't going to necessarily be the finished product and I'm not going to jump up and down and say, you know, you can't change my words. Yeah. Um, because I think that's another, I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a difficult one sometimes, but that, you know, the, the editors are creative being as well, you know, and they're, and they're not there just to sort of dot some I's and make sure you've got capital letters. They're actually mm engaged in the process of communicating that, that story. So, um, yeah, I, I wish there was a simple answer, but it just entirely depends. The, um, the, the, picture, the, the chapter books are um, a different kettle of fish. I mean, you're writing sort of 3,500 words, and, mm. um, and the editor's looking for a whole sort of, they're looking for the, the shape of the story across the book, and they're also looking for how it fits into the other books in the series, and does it, this, the, 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 the Lola books aren't, aren't actually sequential, so you have to embed enough information in any one of them for a reader to understand the whole world of all of them. And so they're sort of looking for, have you said this? Because we need to say it isn't said in this text yet. Have you done this? You know, so editorial becomes a little bit more of a, a content-based thing. Okay, um, so let's talk about that for a moment. How, did, mm. like, what, how and why did you segue into that young younger readers' chapter book sort of end well, of town? I had, um, I had a uh, period of long service leave um, couple of years ago, or a year ago, crikey, it's only a year ago, and I was um, writing, 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 as I always do, and I'd written something that was, that was not a chapter, but my son was madly into scootering at the time, 
And um, I've had this sort of picture book idea about a, a, a kid who, a sort of a famous five kind of group of skaters who, or scooter riders who, I don't know if you know much about scootering, but if you ever get down onto a skate park, there's an incredible hierarchy that sort of works between mm. BMX riders and skateboarders and, and scooters. And scooters were coming along at a rate of knots and were becoming very high tech. And kids that were younger than skateboard riders were really good at scootering, but skateboard riders didn't really kind of recognize their skills because they, you know, they, were, they were silly things, scooters, aren't they? And, and I'd written this, this story, but it was too long for a picture book, really. And I, and I, and I wrote to my um, editor in, in um, uh, Little Hair and said, look, I know you don't do longer work, but you know, do you have any idea of who I could, who I could approach? And she directed me to their parent company, to Hardy Grant, and said, look, if there's any, um, if there's any value in the work, it's not for me to say that the person you need to speak to is Hilary Rogers at um, Hardy Grant. She's a, a, a series um, commissioner and, and, and a very fine one too. And she's responsible for Billy B. Brown and Zach Power and those oh, right. um, serious sort of um, players in the world. Mm. Um, and, um, and she wrote me a really beautiful email that said, this is rubbish. Um, <laughs> um, <laughs> no, not I love those enough. ones, the beautiful yeah, uh, uh, But I, um, I do know everything you've written because I'm on the acquisitions board at Little Hair. Oh. So I'd love to work with you. Let's have a chat. So it was a, you know, one of those beautifully fortuitous conversations right at the beginning of my long service. I had six months. Um, and they've had a couple of ideas around the office about sort of... Um, I can remember, I suppose it's important to talk to, this, to students about... the. These things have to be marketable. You know, the, the publisher isn't, isn't uh, an, an arts cultural, you know, sort of um, protector of the cultural arts, although good ones do that. They, they need to sell some books. Um, so they've been sort of really researching the market and having a think about what, what, what could we put in the market that wasn't there at the moment. Um, and they've got a couple of ideas and, and, and just said, we, we'd like to do something along the lines of, of um, uh, toys, coming to life but not toy story um probably in in the world real world maybe as a result of a of a toy box what do you think and and i we 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 chucked ideas between each other for a month or so they sent me some books i read loads of stuff we talked about our passions and i've always loved portals and uh, sort of doctor who type i'm not a doctor who fan particularly but i've always loved you know alice in wonderland and, and those those portal stories um, so I suggested that this toy box, rather than the toys coming to life, her toys coming to life, was actually a, was actually a, um, a gateway to a, a magical kingdom of toys that, uh, that are there because their children aren't playing with them, basically. Oh. Um, so each, each book goes into a different part of this kingdom, so it doesn't land in this kingdom. So if you're in Cuddleton, obviously they're cuddly toys. Um, <laughs> if you're in Timberfields, they're wooden toys. If you go to um, the Silk Lakes, then you're finding all those beautiful silk kites and parachutes and things that I made. Um, and, um, and it sort of started from there, really. Um, and uh, I was asked to write, um, I mean, I, I didn't think of it at the time as if it was, it was kind of like testing me out, but I suppose it was. I was asked to write 4,000-word draft, you know, how do you see one of these stories panning out? What, what's, um, what does it feel like? And then as a result of that, we had a couple of Skype meetings, I know, hard to imagine because I'm rubbish on Skype, but... Um, uh, and the result, the result was, um, you know, let's start with four books. So, yeah, I, it wasn't really so much anything more than having started one story that I knew was too long for a picture book and, um, and then sort of getting caught up in the machinery of just the right time, right place, I imagine. And finding yourself in a whole different world. Yeah, and it is a very different world. I mean, it's a, and it, but they complement each other beautifully. It's lovely mm. to go from 
and the, the Lola books are uh, three and a half thousand words or ten chapters. You're looking at trying to sort of keep a, a rhythm and a pace in a chapter that wants to makes the kid want to turn the next page. Um, and then back to a, to a picture book which has a different landscape entirely and a, um, trying to trying to get the nugget of that universal idea in, in, in 150 words, you know, um, which is which is challenging. Really, uh, yeah, Lucky you like short and challenging, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, it is, it is, yeah, yeah. God knows if I'd ever do a novel, that would be, I think that would be terrifying. <laughs> All right, so just start switching gears slightly. How yeah. do you promote your books? Are you doing a lot of kind of visits or how, like at, at your end of town in that sort of younger readers area, yeah, yeah. What, what, what does promotion look like? Um, look, I, I have to say it's kind of come on a bit of a rush and um, and, it's, and it's stepped up in the last well, since Lola came out, really, um, and I've, um, the, the guys at Hardegant have been very, very good at uh, uh, setting up opportunities for me to come and speak to, to bookshops and speak to schools and uh, talk to, to retailers. I've been out to, to Sydney and to Melbourne to do that, and they've been over to WA. I live in Perth. They've, they've been over to WA um, during Book Week last, last, you know, this year and, and, and sort of walked me around lots of libraries and places. Um, I think that sort of the jobbing um, author, those of us who don't have to have a proper job, um, are, um, I didn't mean that, are, um, are <laughs> Just that dead silence, out yeah. and about in schools, you know, and doing that, um, doing, trying to create a, a passion for writing and reading in kids, and then hopefully the byproduct of that is that those kids are involved and interested in that author's work, and mm. maybe go on and, and, you know, and buy some of it, mm. but... Um, yeah, I think it's that combination. It certainly seems to be, and I think until you become really well known, I think you've got to roll your sleeves up and get into get into schools and and and, and libraries and, and do that. I have to say, having worked in schools in the UK, I'm sure there is a, a market for the visiting author, but it does seem really buoyant in Australia. It does mm. seem like a really um, you know, a really valued resource by schools and and, and libraries. I so guess as a as a teacher, like with your background, you would not find it too much of a chore either would you oh no i love it i know yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm i really enjoy it and yeah. i mean i'm a i'm a drama teacher by by profession and and that sort of sense of communi- communicating to the group of, of, of people is always is always lovely. i do quite a lot of picture books as as plays as well so um sometimes i can take three or four kids and do a you know sort of a, a short version of a, of a picture book as a as a as a, as a piece of theater which is always always nice and exciting mm, that's fun yeah, it is good. Yeah, it's nice, mm. and um, and just another way of looking at the, at the at the work. Really, anything that gets kids to want to read more has got to be a good thing. Hey, well, what um, do you think about as far as you know? Again, your end of town with the younger readers. Like, yeah. where, do you think that a, an author website and social media is important <laughs> for authors in your I, area? Yeah, I look. I, I'm I'm increasingly beginning to realise that it is. I, I I'm somebody who's I'm, I'm like I'm 48, and um, I, I'm not very. Well, not at all, technically. Um, until I find a typewriter that can work quicker than I'm thinking, then, then, then I don't really understand any of it. Um, <laughs> so so I, do have, I do have a Facebook page, or a, inside a Facebook account, I've got a page called Danny Parker Books, mm-hmm. and I do have an Instagram account as of about three minutes ago, oh. um, which is, I forget what it's called, but it's there. <laughs> um, and I do have a website, and the website has been very brilliantly and beautifully made by an ex-student of mine. Um, who writes to me occasionally and says, Dan, can you send me some information because you've got a new book out and it's not on your website. Um, but I actually, my mum can tell you where how good my website is because in England that's sometimes the only way she can communicate with me. Oh, fair <laughs> enough. But it's not very good. So, look, I think the answer to your question is 
they absolutely should be, and that um, proper people are making them and making them work. Um, I'm just um, not, um, but but it is an intention of mine to get on with it. I've, I've another ex-student who is doing very well in that field of social media and promotion and, and those things, and we're, we're, we're hooking up in a little while to try and be a little bit more um, thoughtful about what I do. Excellent. Um, I'm, I'm, you know, I've got a full-time job. I'm kind of busy, and, um, yeah. and I write in the evenings and at weekends, and, and when I'm done writing and teaching, I don't, I don't have... I don't know how people do it. I don't know how they sit and update things and, and, and whatnot. I, I, yeah. When there's books to write and other things to do, I well, quite understand. Well, yeah, I've got children, you know, I've got yeah. two brilliant, brilliant kids. I want to spend some time with them too. Yeah. Um, but no, I, I do think it's probably, it's prob- if, if I didn't have an income, I think I would probably be forced to be all over it. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. And, yeah. and that's a, a terrible thing to say, to, certainly to people that you know, are absolutely dreaming of being published. But ultimately, you know, you, you're just a human, aren't you? And you do what you can. With, yeah, with that's exactly got. right. <laughs> All right, just to finish up, we do yeah. our f- famous and fabulous uh, three top tips. So I'm just wondering if you could give us your top three tips for picture book writers. Okay. Oh, gosh, three. I, know, um, I would say get into bookshops, into children's bookshops, more than libraries, probably. I love, love a fantastic resource, but have a look at what's actually on the shelf. That would be a first thing. Mm-hmm. And realize that it took 18 months to get there, or thereabouts. Yeah. So really have a look at what subjects and what, what themes are hot, what, what, what is almost every third book about, <laughs> and don't write that story. <laughs> so in a sense, look for something that isn't there, because although it might be on its way, it's, it's a gap in the market, and, mm-hmm. and it is a market, and you need to be, you need to be thinking about that. Um, three. The second would be, I mean, sort of similar to something we've said earlier, but it's, it's to be really, really brutal with your own edit. Be, don't, don't hold on to your words like they're your children, you know, really, don't worry. Uh, I was told once, and I think this is brilliant, um, that... Um, when, when I first, well, the first picture book I had um, published was called Tree, and the conversation sort of went like this. Um, Danny, I really love your story. I just want to change one thing, the words. Um, now, I know, that, I know that sounds, it wasn't That's like that. Brutal. And if my grandfather ever listens to this, she'll probably shoot me from a distance. But it felt like that. To me, it felt like that. You know, like, well, hang on a second. If I cut that and cut that and cut that and cut that, there isn't anything left to say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But to not be so, to not be so, um, caught up personally in the story, although, of course, it's a personal thing. Um, but there are, you know, I, I say to kids sometimes, that, you know, three pink flamingos burst through the, the, the window now and, and flew around the room and then flew off singing happy birthday. We'd all go home and tell that story. It would be the same story, but we'd all tell it differently. Yeah. So you've just got to be prepared to sometimes tell the story in another way if you want someone to read it. So that would be my second thing. And the third, which I'm sure probably every single person you ever talk to says, is just keep going. Mm. You know, don't, don't let the amount of people who don't realize how brilliant you are tell you that you're no good because <laughs> you've just got to keep going. You've know? you just got to um, find the one, don't you, who thinks you are brilliant. Yeah, you really do. And there is someone there. You know, and I, it, it's really hard. We, we, I do these sessions for, um, for adults with, with the Australian Writers' Centres, you know, and, and the, the, that, that feeling that it's an impossible mountain to climb sort of comes at you in waves sometimes. You think, you know, it, if it was easy, <laughs> yeah. it wouldn't have any value. You know, no, that's uh, right. the, per- the point is you've got to keep going and you've got to, you've got to be prepared to change it and change it and change it and, and, and persistence. You know, resilience, persistence is, is very important. 
Brilliant. Well, I think we should leave it right there because that is sensational advice to finish on. So thank you so much for your time. You Um, are welcome. And you're incredibly, uh, you know, we're all looking forward to your, the deluge of Danny Parker picture books (laughs) that will be coming our way. Um, So best of luck with all those deadlines. Thank you very much. Thanks. Thanks. I hope you enjoyed the interview. I'm Alison Tate, also known as A.L. Tate, and I'm the internationally published best-selling author of two epic adventure series, The Mapmaker Chronicles and The Adaban Cipher. My books are available in Australia, the US, the UK and other territories, and are perfect for young readers aged nine or older. Find out more about me and my books at alisontate.com. That's A-L-L-I-S-O-N-T-A-I-T dot com. This podcast is brought to you by the Australian Writers' Centre, a world leader in writing courses. If you'd love to create your own picture book, a popular five-week course in writing picture books will show you how. In less than a few hours a week, you'll discover what you need to know about point of view in a picture book, structure and pace, as well as language and rhythm, finding the right voice, working with illustrators, publishing options and much more. Complete it online for ultimate convenience and receive personalised tutor feedback on your writing. Find out more at writerscentre.com.au slash picturebooks. Something that came up a lot in that interview is the idea of teamwork. Danny quickly realised that every picture book involves collaboration and teamwork. New writers can often find the editing process really painful. These are your words, you think. You don't want to cut them. You spend a long time crafting them. But it's always worth taking a step back. Who is the story for? If it's just for you, then by all means, don't edit. But if you want to be published, if you want to write the best picture book you possibly can, then you have to be receptive to feedback. As Danny says... You've got to be prepared sometimes to tell the story in another way if you want someone to read it. Something else that struck me was that if Danny hadn't shared that first story with Matt, he may never have gotten into picture books. I hear a lot from writers who are afraid to share their stories. They think that they'll be stolen or ruined somehow. But often by sharing your story with the right people, you can find opportunities that wouldn't otherwise present themselves. So be fearless. And that doesn't mean being brave enough to write. It also means being brave enough to share. You've been listening to Magic and Mayhem with the Australian Writers' Centre. This pop-up podcast is a spin-off from our regular podcast, So You Want to Be a Writer, which interviews fabulous authors across all genres and age groups. You can check it out on iTunes. Just search for So You Want to Be a Writer but also for some great tips and a wonderful writing community that might well be your tribe, including lots of writing opportunities and short story competitions, join us. The best way is to go to writercentre.com.au and sign up for our weekly newsletter. That's writercentre.com.au.